Well, turning your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17, we're continuing our study of 1 Samuel. If this is your first time at Stillwater Bible, we do what's called expository teaching, which means we actually teach through the Bible. So we're studying right now 1 Samuel. So we started at, at basically at chapter 1. We're now through about, we're right at chapter 17. And uh, we've been seeing the lives of Samuel, who was the last of the judges. And now we're seeing the first king of Israel, Saul. And we're fixed to see the second king of Israel, which is David. And so that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the first two kings of Israel, Saul. And Saul is the present king. David is the future king. Saul, because of his disobedience. Saul, because of his pride, Saul, because of his disobedience to God, has already been rejected by God as the king. And David, a 14, 15-year-old boy, has already been anointed as the king of the nation of Israel. It's going to take at least 15 years before all this comes to pass. By the time we get to the end of 1 Samuel, when you get to chapter 31, Saul dies and David becomes the king. So David, for 14 or 15 years, basically is waiting on God to put him in that position of leadership. When we think about these two people, uh, we see Saul as a man of the flesh, while David is a man who has a heart for God. And so this morning, as we look at our study, it's a famous passage. It is the story of David and Goliath. Now, most of us have said, oh, yeah, we've heard that story all of our lives and everything. And it's true. It's a great story. But there's so many things in there, and we'll be looking through it. We started last week. We got up right to the point. As you study through the, the, the book, we got right to the point where David's about to go fight Goliath. And as we think about this chapter, as we think about this story, we think about our lives, that our lives have battles in them all the time, ups and downs, there are things that are good, there are things that are bad, and we have to trust God. And David goes to fight against Goliath in the power of God, and that's how we're to live our Christian lives, and we'll, we'll talk more about it as we get into the passage. Several years ago, I went on the campus, and uh, there was a, I saw one of the OSU basketball players, and I think he was about seven feet tall, and when you see him in real life, close to him, not out on the court, but in standing right next to you, you go, wow, seven feet is really, really tall, and that is true, but when you think about Goliath, Goliath was nine feet, nine inches tall. He was almost 10 feet tall. And we think about this big giant of a man coming to challenge the nation of Israel. And so we're going to see that there's a battle that, let me just remind you, the nation of Israel and the Philistines are battling one another. And there's a, a, a hill and a valley and a hill. And on one side of the hill of the Philistines, on the other side of the hill of the Jewish people, the Israelites. And for 40 days, this giant man, nine feet, nine inches tall, has come out and challenged the Israelites and said, find somebody to fight me. If you beat me, we'll become your slaves. If, we, if I beat them, y'all will become our slaves. And so he's been challenging that. He's done it twice a day for 40 days. And, of course, the Jewish people are all standing over there and afraid. The tallest, biggest man in all of the, the nation of Israel is Saul, who is the king. He's a head taller than anybody else. If you wanted to be honest about it, you'd say, well, our tallest guy is this guy. Why don't you go fight him? But nobody wants to fight Goliath. And so we've seen this story of they're standing across that way. David is going to come fight in the power and the might of God. God is going to come with the weapons and a sword and a spear and the weapons of the world. But David is going to come in God's power. And that's the way we live. As we gather together on a Sunday morning, it's a great time. We worship. We worship God. We're trained and equipped. And then we scatter and we go into this world. And how do we live? How do we face the, the fallen world, the culture that is totally, totally contrary to what we believe? We stand strong in God's power. Now, as I mentioned a while ago, Saul has already been rejected as the king. Because, now, he's still the king, but he's rejected by God because he failed to obey and he failed to trust God. When you think about David, here's the things that we see. We see 
David was a man after God's own heart. What that means is he loved the things that God loved. He wanted to do what God wanted him to do. He wanted to live for God. The second thing is that, faith, that he was faithful in little things and he was faithful in big things. We saw that David was faithful to take care of his father's sheep. We saw that David was faithful to bring food to his brothers. And since God used him and he was faithful in the little, God is gonna use him and he's gonna be faithful in the big thing. The big thing is to fight Goliath. Think about our lives for a second. Do we have hearts for God? Do you live for, for God? Do you want to do the things God wants you to do? Do, do the things that break God's heart break our heart? Do the things that he loves, do we love? The second thing, are we faithful in the little things? Because if you're not faithful in little things, you won't be faithful in the big things. The Bible says, he that is faithful in that which is little will be faithful in that which is much. And the truth is, if we're not faithful in the little things, because we talk about this and say, oh, we all want to do big things for God. We all want to do things for God. Well, the truth is, it starts off by, will you do little things for God? Will you do what he tells you to do right now, right where you are? And then who knows, maybe later he can do, use you to do bigger things. Well, the nation of Israel's at war, 40 days and 40, basically twice a day, this man comes out. Let me give you the background. David is at home. David's three older brothers are fighting. You have to be 20 or above to fight in the nation of Israel. So David's not 20. He's probably 14 or 15. His three older brothers are there. His dad, Jesse, says to David, David, I want you to go to where the battle is, take some food, food for your brothers, take some cheese, and give it to the commander, and get there and see how your brothers are doing. So David is faithful in that, which is little. And so he gets there, and he, he gets there, and about that time, the nation, the army of Israel are all running out to the, to the, to the edge of the, of the big thing. And so uh, he, he lays the stuff down, and he goes out there, and he finds his brother. And his brothers, and as he's standing there, all of a sudden, coming out on the other side is this giant man. And he comes out and he challenges the Israel and he makes fun of the God of Israel. And David hears this. And, and David says, what, what, what is going on? What is this? Who does this man think he is that he can make fun of the nation of Israel? And he starts asking around. And some guy tells him, he said, listen, you know, if uh, whoever kills Goliath, Saul has already said, if you kill Goliath, he'll give them riches, he'll let them marry one of his daughters, and they won't have to pay any taxes anymore. So David said, really? And so he talks to his brother, and his brother looks at him and says, who do you think you are? You're nothing. His brother was jealous of him. And then David goes on by and he talks to two or three other people. And then somebody hears, because David says, I'll fight the guy. So the word comes to Saul, who's the king. And somebody comes to him and says, we found somebody who'll go fight the giant. And he goes, really bring the guy over here. And when he comes, it's a boy. And Saul says, wait, wait, you, you can't fight him. You're just a boy. In fact, if you look at 1 Samuel 17, verse 32, David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. He said, I'll go fight him. I'll go fight him right now. I'll fight him. And Saul says, no, you can't fight him. You're just a boy. You can't fight him. And David says, yes, I can, because let me tell you, when I took care of my father's sheep, sometime, one time a lion came, and I killed the lion. And one time a bear came, and I killed the bear. And I'm going to tell you this, if God gives me a bear and a lion, he'll sure give me that pagan Philistine. I will kill him. I will fight. You know how he knows to fight? Because he says, I can do it in the power of the Lord. How do we know how to live as believers as we go out these doors and go into this community? We say, I do it in the power of the Lord. I don't have to be afraid. He'll never leave me or forsake me. What should I fear? You can stand strong in the power of God and in the word of God. So he says, I will fight him. 
And so you get down a little further to verse 37, and David said, well, the Lord deliver me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear. He'll deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and may the Lord be with you. Now that sounds so pious, but here's Saul, who should be the one fighting. He's going to let a 15, 14-year-old boy go do the fight for him. And what he does is he then turns and gives, gives David his armor. He said, here, here's my shield, here's, here's my thing. And so David puts it on, and David tries to walk in it, and he can't. And he says, I can't fight with this. I haven't tested it. It's too big for me. It doesn't fit me. The helmet keeps moving. I can't, I can't use this. So David takes it off. And if you notice in verse 40, David said this in verse 40. He took his stick in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had even in his pouch. And a sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. David's not going to go fight with a sword and with a shield. David's going to use the weapons of a shepherd, a sling. He goes to face the giant. Now, let me tell you, uh, David's already, he's, he's come down off the side of the hill to the brook that's in the middle. It really doesn't have any water in it probably at this time. And he finds five stones. So he's already halfway across. He looks up and Goliath is already coming down to face him. He finds five smooth stones, puts them in a little pouch. He's got his staff. It says that David took his stick in his hand. That's his shepherd's staff. So he's coming out to fight a giant, a giant who has a spear, who has a shield, who has all these things, a javelin, sword, everything. He's coming out there with a staff and a sling. Now remember, it's not a slingshot like we would have today. It's a sling, which was like a rope with a pouch in it, and you put the stone in it, you bring it together, and you spin it around, and at the right time, you let go of one of the sides, and it slings the stone out. Now, they were good. If you've ever tried something like that, you know, there's no telling where that stone's going to go. But for David, he knew exactly what he's doing. He used it all the time. It was a weapon. He could let that thing go and hit exactly where he wanted to. He picks up five stones. It says he picked up five smooth stones from the brook. Now, people say, why, why five smooth stones? Well, tr- some traditions said that we all know that if you go a little further over in 2 Samuel, it says that Goliath had four brothers. And some people say that David knew that, and so he picked up five stones just in case he could go Goliath, he'd have a stone to kill the others. I don't know how David could have known that. Uh, it possibly true. It could be that he just picks up five stones. I've had people say, well, you know, he felt like he might miss. I don't, I don't think David actually felt he was going to miss. Anyway, he's going to go fight the giant. Let me give you the outline of our passage just so you can see where we are. We're going to see that David defeats Goliath, and then Israel defeats the Philistines. This is a really big victory for them. And then Saul asks about David, and we'll talk more about what is, what is that going on at the end of the passage. So look at verse 41. Then the, Philistine, then the Philistine came on and approached David with his shield bearer in front of him. Now, I want you to understand that this guy is nine feet, nine inches tall, and he's coming, and he's got a, another man with him who's carrying his shield. That's called the shield bearer, the armor bearer. They're coming out, and they've come down the side of the hill, and he's coming to David. And David is coming to him. And when he sees David, now I want you to understand that Goliath is gigantic. He expects the toughest, strongest Jew to come fight him. And he looks out there and he sees a boy. A boy. A 14-year-old boy. And all he's got is a staff. And so, look, the Philistine came, verse 41, the Philistine came and approached David with the shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy with a handsome appearance. The word disdained actually means to look down upon. He looked at him and said, who... 
What in the world? Who sent you out here? You're just a boy. You come out here. In fact, look what he said. He said, when the Philistines saw David, he disdained him. He was a youth. And in verse 43, the Philistines said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. He said, what am I? You think I'm a dog? You send a little boy out here to fight me? Who do you think I am? I'm a giant. I'm the leading fighter of the Philistines. And you send a little boy out here to fight me with a stick? Who do you think I am? And he made fun of the God of Israel. Be careful when you make fun of God. Be careful when you make fun of God. Notice it says, and the Philistine cursed David by his gods. He cursed David. Do you remember what Genesis 12 says? says, I will bless those that bless you, and I will curse those that curse you. All the way through history, everyone that's blessed Israel, God blesses. Everyone that curses Israel, God curses. This man is cursing Israel. This man is cursing David, and he's cursing the God of Israel. I would not want to be Goliath. He says, who do you think I am? You think I'm a dog? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Sometimes people make fun of God, don't they? Sometimes when we talk about Jesus dying on the cross and paying for sin and they, it rose again and he gives eternal life, they laugh at us and say, you guys aren't very educated. You don't know very much. You don't understand the world. But God is God and he is true and he loves us beyond what we could imagine and he sent his son to die for us. And he's provided a way that all mankind, even though we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, he has provided a way that he can reconcile man to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. And whoever believes in Jesus will never perish but have everlasting life. And by the way, when we walk out these doors, we're in a battle, but it's a spiritual battle. People aren't the enemy. We're wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against world powers, against evil forces, against darkness in heavenly places. It is a spiritual battle because Satan controls the fallen world system and the world system affects people. So our battle is a spiritual battle. So look what happens. The Philistine, verse, uh, verse 44, the Philistine also said to David, come to me, I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. What he's saying is you come to me, I'm gonna kill you. Your body's gonna lay out there and the birds are gonna come eat you. That's what he said to David. Watch what David says to him. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. How does David respond? David says, you coming to me, you're coming to me with weapons? I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. That's Y-H-W-H. If you look in your Bible, most of you know this, but if you look in your Bible when he says, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the word Lord is all four capital letters, L-O-R-D. That means the Hebrew word Y-H-W-H. That is the personal name of God. It's found throughout the Old Testament. He says, you come to me with a weapon. I'm coming to you in the name of the personal God, the God who created all things, the unchanging personal, eternal God. I'm coming to you in his name. You're coming to me with weapons. I'm coming to you with God. And then what David says, and, and by the way, well, how do we live the Christian life? How do we make it? Do we go out with the weapons of the world or do we go out with the weapons of the scripture? We started a study in our girl groups just, just you know, this morning 
And we, we looked at Proverbs 1. We're going to look at what we call wisdom and praise. We're going to look at the wisdom, a little bit from the Proverbs and a little bit from the Psalms. And Proverbs is wisdom literature. How do, we, how do you live wisely in a fallen world? You live by the word of God. How's David, how is David living wisely in his world? He's living by God and God's power as he comes against Goliath. We talk about the Christian life. The Christian life is a walk of faith in God's power. That's the Holy Spirit based on the word of God. Well, watch what happens. What does David say? Verse 46, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and remove your head from you and I will give the dead bodies of the army, the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth and all the earth will know that there is a God in Israel. Now I'm going to go on to the next verse because there's a lot, but watch this. And all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by the sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Now, he says some powerful things. He says, first of all, Goliath, you may say, you're going to kill me. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And listen to what he says. I'm going to strike you down, and I'm going to cut your head off. I'm going to move your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of your... Not only am I going to kill you, but then we're going to kill the rest of your people, and they're going to be running for their lives, and they're going to be killed, and they're going to fall down, and the birds and the beasts are going to eat those bodies up of your people so that people know that there's a God in Israel. Now, here's the thing. He said, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cut off your head. How's David going to cut off his head? He doesn't have a sword. He has a stick and a sling. He said, I'm going to cut your head off. Somebody could say, where's your sword? He goes, I don't have one, but I'll get one. Don't worry. I'll, I'll figure out how to get one. I'll cut off your head and the animals will eat you. Now, here's the two things that come out of this verse, these two verses that are so important. He said this, all will know that there's a true God in Israel, the way you and I live in a fallen world is a way that people will know that there is a true God, that Jesus is the answer, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, that Jesus is the Savior of the world. When we go out into this world, Jesus said, they will know that you belong to me by what? Your love one for another. When we go out into this world, we love others. And as we love others, people will be able to see that we're different and they'll see that we belong to Jesus Christ. All will know there's a true God in Israel. The second thing is he says God delivers in his power. It's not human power. We don't live the Christian life in our power. We live the Christian life in God's power through us. So look what happens. He says, I'm going to kill you, cut your head off, and then we're going to kill all the Philistines and the animals are going to eat them up. Then it happened when the Philistine rose and came and drew, this is verse 48. Then it happened when the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David, and David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. Now, uh, here's what's amazing. Goliath is coming to David, but David's running to Goliath. Remember, they've already, both of them came down by the hill now. They're in that valley part, and David is running toward Goliath. You can almost see Goliath thinking, what? Why is he running toward me? I mean, is he anxious to die? I mean, what is he doing? He's running toward me. And, and um, by, by the way, God always delivers. He's delivered all the way throughout history. And, and, and the same thing for us. That's how he does it. Well, watch what happens. David put his hand into the bag and took from it a stone and slung it. And it struck the Philistine on the forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead so that he fell on his face to the ground. Listen, David threw that sling, 
and that thing hit him right there. Now listen, I saw a movie it's been an older movie, and it was David and Goliath, and David's fighting Goliath, and David has these five stones, and Goliath comes out roaring, and David throws and misses, and David throws and hits off a shield, and David throws it, goes by the side. Finally, David hits him. That, and In fact, it showed in the movie that a rock hit Goliath like right here and bounced off, and Goliath went and fell backwards. That's not what happened at all. David didn't take five shots or four shots. He threw that one stone, and it didn't bounce off of him. It hit right there and sunk into his forehead. It may have killed him a moment. It went in there and touched his brain like that. But Goliath got hit right there, didn't bounce off, didn't need four shots. Let me just tell you that David prevailed because it wasn't a lucky shot. David was trained with the sling, and he hit that guy right there, and it stuck, and it gave God the victory. Gave God the victory. And look what it says. And the, stone, and the stone sank in his forehead, and he fell on his face to the ground. Now it fell forward, and you could see the Philistines back over here going, get up, get up. What, what happened? What happened? We don't know what happened. Uh, we don't know. Is, is he dead already? He's face down. Can you imagine the, the armor bearer probably went, I, I'll go back over here if that's okay with y'all. You know, I mean, you could just see it. David prevailed over the Philistine, verse 50, with a sling and a stone, and he struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in David's hands. So we said, well, David didn't have a sword. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of his sheath, and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. They may have thought that Goliath was knocked out, but when they saw his head cut off, they figured it was pretty much over. And they took off running. Can you see David going there, picking up this big old sword? It is a big sword and cutting off the head and then picking it up like this and holding it up. And he probably turned right back to the Philistines and they took off running. Well, then what did the Jews do? They go after him. They're going after him. That uh, He took uh, the sword and he cut off Goliath's head and the people started running. The men, verse 52 says, the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the valley and to the gates of Ekron and the slain Philistines lay on the way to Sherarim, even to Gath and Ekron. I told you that he said, I'm gonna kill you, cut your head off, your people are gonna die and the bodies are gonna be laid out here and the beast and the birds and the animals are gonna eat them and that's exactly what happened. They plundered. It says, the sons of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines and plundered their camp. The Jews plundered the camp. They took the spoil. It was a great victory. You know what you find out? That every time the Jewish people trust God, they win the battle. Every time they don't trust God, they lose the battle. David leads them into battle because he trusts God. And he says, nobody's going to make fun of the God of Israel. I come in the name of the Lord, the eternal all-powerful God, you and I go out these doors in the name of the Lord, the eternal, all-powerful God. That's how we live the Christian life. Well, and they've gone after them. They've, they're taking them there. What a great victory. It was a great victory. Now, here's the question I want you to think about. Who's going to be the hero? David's going to be the hero. How will Saul respond when the people begin to follow David? David's a 15-year-old boy, 14-year-old boy. Saul's a grown man. Saul's the king, but Saul is jealous. Saul, Saul almost killed his son, Jonathan, because Jonathan was getting more glory than Saul. Saul's already set up a monument about himself in one other place over a victory that he didn't even gain. What's it going to be like when David becomes the favored one 
And everybody starts saying, David has slain his 10,000s. How's Saul going to respond? We already know that Saul is jealous. We already know that Saul has mental illness. We already know that Saul's crazy as could be. We already know that Saul will do anything to keep... We're going to see that in the next couple of chapters, Saul's going to try to kill David at least twice. At least twice. Saul was jealous of Jonathan. Will he be jealous of David as well? We'll look at verse 54. Then David took the Philistine's head and brought it to Jerusalem and put it with his weapon, put, put the weapons in his tent. Now, that's a, on in the future because David's not taking it right now to Jerusalem. He's going to take the head to Jerusalem and most likely bury it somewhere. Now, there's some traditions. You know, when we talk about where Jesus died on the cross, it was a place called Golgotha or Calvary. Calvary is a Latin word for skull. Golgotha is a Hebrew word for skull. They say Jesus was buried at the place of the skull. There is a tradition that says that that's the place that David brought Goliath's head and buried it. That was known as the place of the skull, and that's where they crucified Jesus. There also is tradition. I was in Jerusalem in 1976, and there is where they think Jesus was crucified. It's on the side of a hill. And part of the hill almost looks like a skull. So some people say it was called the place of the skull because it looks like a skull. Other people say it's called the place of the skull because it's where they buried Goliath's head. We don't know. But look what happened right at the end. When Saul, and we'll, we'll be through. When Saul saw David going out against the Philistines, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this young man? And Abner said, by your life, O king, I don't know. King said, inquire whose son it is. Some people say, wait a minute, he doesn't know who David is? David has already been the guy that's played music. David's been up there. No, he doesn't. he's not asking who David is. He's asking who David's father is. Because remember, what is he going to do? Whoever killed Goliath gets wealth, marriage, and no taxes. He's trying to find out who the family is so they don't have to pay taxes. Now, I, I've got a question for you. Did, did, did Saul keep his word? Did Saul keep his word? He was supposed to give wealth to the person who killed Goliath. He was supposed to let him marry one of his daughters, and he's supposed to not have to pay taxes. We don't know. Maybe they didn't pay taxes. Maybe that's why he's trying to find out. But I'm going to tell you this. If you look a little further in the book, Saul says, hey, I'll let you marry my daughter. And David says, okay. And then when it came time, Saul gave the daughter to somebody else. And another time he said, I'll let you marry my other daughter. And David said, I have no money. How could I marry your daughter? Well, if he was supposed to be rich after this, how come he didn't have any money? Let me tell you what, Saul didn't keep his Word. Look at verse 57. So David returned from killing the Philistine. Abner took him and brought him before Saul with a Philistine's head in his hand. <laughs> He's, here's the guy you were looking at out there. This is him. Saul said to him, whose son are you, young man? And David said, I am the son of your servant, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. He thought he wanted to make sure. What a contrast. Jonathan loved David, and Saul is jealous of David. Let me quickly show you this because a lot of people think that David is a foreshadow or a picture of Jesus. As David was sent by the Father, so was Jesus sent by the Father. As David was obedient, so was Jesus obedient to the Father. As David was rejected by his brothers, Jesus was rejected by his brothers. As David was first told to fight with the world's weapons, there was a time that the people wanted to make Jesus king, but it was for the wrong reason. David fought against the giant, dealt, Jesus dealt with sin. And David got the victory, and Jesus got the victory. 
death, and resurrection. Let me give you some applications quickly. Let's face the problems of the world in God's power. The events and circumstances, the only way we can live is live in God's power. We are in a spiritual battle. John 15, 5, apart from him we can do nothing, but in Christ we can do all things. The Bible tells us to walk worthy of our calling, to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 121 says, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. That's how we live. We live and face the problems of the world in God's power. Hebrews 13 says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Second application, let's let our lives count for Jesus Christ. It's time to take a stand we live in a fallen world, and it's getting worse, as you know. The culture is deteriorating around us. Are we going to stand strong or not? Decide that we will make a difference. Offer our lives. Romans 12, say, God, I want my life to count for you. I want to live for you. I want to glorify you. As 1 Corinthians says, what, do you not know? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit is in you. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Our job is to glorify God as we live in this world. Decide, even today that you're going to make a difference for Christ because it's not going to get any better. It's going to get worse. Decide you're going to make a difference. Share your faith and live righteously. Second, use the gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given you for his glory. Whatever gifts you have, use them. When you saw that video, there are all kind of people, 60 or 70 different people helped during the week using different gifts, talents, and abilities to help in vacation Bible school. There are many places you can use your gifts, talents, and abilities Let's be faithful in the little things and then in the big things. Think about it. David was faithful to take care of the sheep. He was faithful to take, do what his, his father wanted him to do. And then when the time came, he was faithful in the big thing. Let's start right now and say, God, whatever you want me to do, even if it seems little, it doesn't matter. I just want to be faithful in that which is little so I can be faithful in that which is much.